Hey and welcome to Part-Time Struggle. My name is Matthew Charlton. In previous episodes and podcasts and blogs, I always say that I am not a professional, nor am I a doctor. Um, I'm just a dude talking about his mental health issues. But today, I have a professional on as a guest today. And Kelvin, can you please introduce yourself? Hey, hello, everyone. I'm sorry. I got a little nervous there for a minute. That's all right. It's so okay. So my name is Kelvin Durant, and I am the owner and operator of A New You Counseling Center, as well as A New You Speaks. Both of these businesses are located in Florence, South Carolina. I am a licensed professional counselor, a licensed addictions counselor, a national certified counselor, wow. and a board certified hypnotherapist. Um, all in the state of South Carolina. That is a lot. Yeah, it is. I, I, I always get tongue tied sometimes saying. Yeah, that. that's that's so, so yeah. much. My um, so my primary function, my primary primary job is a therapist. I'm yeah. a, I'm a, a mental health therapist. Mm-hmm. Also, I'm I am a um addictions counselor as well. Um, the the hypnosis piece just came about probably about a year ago. Yeah. Um, actually, during the pandemic. So prior, primarily, my job is to help people with their mental health concerns and and working with individuals on a day-to-day basis, um, tackling any um, issue they have with their mental health. Yeah, well, I can't thank you thank you enough for, for coming on here and being a guest today. Thank you. Um, I'm, I'm, I enjoy having a point of view from a professional, and we'll go over some questions in a minute. But mm-hmm. uh, elaborate a little bit more on the new you speaks. That's a new adventure you've mm-hmm. had in your life. Talk about that a little bit more. Wow, so I, I am excited about a new you speaks. Yes. Um, a new you speaks came about, um, my launch date for a new you speaks was the first week of March, actually. A new you speaks. So, and I have a video out there on Facebook. Let me go and plug that. Plug it. Plug away. Yes. (laughs) So I have an introductory video on Facebook talking about a new you speaks. Um, And it's pretty much just uh, my little initial video talking about this, this, this new venture. But a new you speaks is I work in, I'm acting in the capacity as well as working in the capacity as an educator an advocator and mm-hmm. an overall influencer of mental health services. Okay. So essentially what all that means is that my job, what I am doing with this new business is, is providing and speaking engagements where I'm going out promoting mental health services. So that came about uh, probably around towards the end of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Right? We're not really in the pandemic. I think we're still in the pandemic. Towards, we're, towards, still, we're still in there. Yeah. Towards the end of, I guess the, all of the um the chaos around it. right <laughs> so, correct yeah so to go we're still in it but yeah so i was laying in bed one day and it just came to me like you know what you should do speaking engagements because what happened was i was getting so many referrals from um doctor's offices and um local other other local agencies um with referring sh- um, children and adults and, and and so forth and when we will call when my assistants will call the individual to schedule the appointments mm-hmm. they will decline it really yeah they were declining it and i was like why are all these people declining services and a lot of these referrals were based off of depression yeah um anxiety mm-hmm. the list goes on and so for me it was i was very concerned about that it was really 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 concerning and so i just came with the idea well maybe i need to go out and speak about how important mental health services are yeah and so that's where this initiative came from a new you speaks well i appreciate that it's definitely something you know that i think needs to be talked about more which is why i've started a part-time struggle um and you you were doing the same thing with your adventure there Mm -hmm. and can't thank you enough for that it definitely something that needs to be be talked about discussed Mm -hmm. um in every community every walk of life it's it's something that that 
definitely the the older generations mm-hmm. never talked about the boomers um even even our generation you you and i are in the similar similar generation that gen what are we with millennials gen what was the 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 generation before millennials gen x maybe i, I just call it call it a little bit old <laughs> a little know. bit old we we <laughs> our generation talks about it a little bit more but the you know the the younger generations the millennial the 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 younger millennials, they definitely talk about it. They talk about it all the time. And yeah. I can't, can't yeah. thank them enough. You know, yeah. they, they, yeah. they are really making it a point to make it a, a topic, a conversation mm-hmm. that's everyday thing. And, yeah. and that's, and that's a good thing. So appreciate you, you doing a new, you speak. So tell me a little bit about your, your background. Where are you from? Mm-hmm. Where'd you, where'd you grow up? So I am from the big town Lamar, South Carolina. Lamar, yes. <laughs> the, and I'm metaphorically speaking, I'm from the big Lamar, South Carolina. So um, that's where I'm, I'm originally um, born and, and raised. Um, so after I graduated high school, 1996. Yep. Okay. <laughs> um, shortly after high school, I wasn't tr- the traditional college student. I didn't go off the. I, well, I went to France and Maryland for a, a brief, a brief stint. Um, and I'm going through the story. I've, I flunked out of Francis Marion. That's I did okay. Not do yeah. well at Francis Marion at all. Um, and I eventually went on and got an associate's degree. And in 2000, I want to say 2001, I, I got an associate's degree in, in human services. Okay. After that, I worked, 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 and I waited nine years before I went back and got my bachelor's degree. I got my bachelor's degree at the age of 32 years old. Okay. Um, I got my master's at the age of uh, 34, 35. Wow. And I became a licensed therapist at the age of 36. Okay. So for the people who are afraid to go back to school because they're in their 30s, yes. please do not hesitate. You can do it. I did it. Um, shortly after, I went to Coker College and got my bachelor's degree from Coker College. Okay. Um, shortly after that, I went to Webster University and get, received my master's degree in uh, professional mental health counseling. Mm-hmm. And after that, once again, I became licensed as a licensed professional counselor in Theta, South Carolina. So the journey kind of shifted at that point. So I had a lot of jobs, Matt. So I'm not going to talk about the job. That's okay. You so, don't have to. <laughs> um, I'm just going to give you the the brief history of the, the related to men, the mental health jobs. Sure. I've yeah. Had. Sure. So I started in. Um, addictions counseling in 2014 i was i was an outpatient addictions counselor um in a small town chesterfield South chesterfield Carolina, okay um, yep at the alpha alpha behavior health center and so i worked there for about seven months um didn't go well um during that time i was in process to become a, a, a fully licensed mm-hmm. um, um clinician after that i went to vocational rehabilitation as okay. a, um, an addiction counselor in an inpatient Treatment facility. Okay, that was my longest stint in, in, in addictions counseling. I worked there for about two and a half years. During that time, I was working for a private practice. That's where the private practice piece came in. Um, I worked part time at a, a local um, practice in this area, and I worked there for about three years. Mm-hmm. Um, in in a two thousand and um, I'm not going through all the details with that, but in two thousand eighteen. <laughs> I, I left that practice okay. um, and I was, so my back was up, was up against the wall and all of this for me is motivational, mm-hmm. you know, for, for me just to be able to be at this point in my life right now, because yeah. I didn't have any, a lot of support, um, going into this venture. Yeah. Um, I didn't have the t- support of, you know, family and friends pushing me, um, to say, Hey, you can do this. You know, you're right. amazing. You're great. So all this was internal. So okay. I had to get the internal motivation to yeah. be able to, 
um, accomplish my goals. And so in 2018, um, I left the, the practice that I was working for. And January the 14th of 2019, I opened my own practice. Okay. A new youth counseling center. Yes. Plug um, it. And, and so... I've been in practice officially now for three a little over three years, and so it's going amazing. Um, the response to open this practice has been amazing. It's been a lot of hard work, but I'm here. I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. I'm really, really proud of the work that I that I'm putting out, and and, and the the fact that I'm helping people, which yes, is my passion. Absolutely. Um, and and I didn't even know that was my passion until it became my passion. How about that, yeah. <laughs> so, but long journey, you know, long history. Um, you know, coming from Lamar, South Carolina, where there was really, really minimal education. I'm um, at, at the high school, and mm-hmm. I must be really, really honest. Um, in in so many shapes and forms, they did not shape me um, for obtaining higher education. Sure, and it goes back to once again just obtaining that internal motivation within yourself to know this is what I really, really want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also starts back from the history too. I have a long history of just um, growing up in a traumatic environment, okay. and and realizing that hey i need to be different i deserve to be different yes i deserve to be, have peace um so growing up you know in 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 lamar and mm-hmm. i don't i mean i'm quite sure there was counselors back then but sure yeah we were never privileged to it mm-hmm. and so this thing a lot of um domestic violence in the home and yeah um, a, a lot of a drug addiction um I, I choose to believe those things fueled me yeah to be where i'm at now okay to be able to um, provide the, the, the therapy that I'm providing to my clients. So, turn a negative into a positive. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. Oh gosh, speaking of negative, and people, oftentimes I'm very, I'm not very trans. Well, I am transparent, but I'm not. I don't really go into my life history or in, in a lot of my sessions, you know, sure. because if there's a need to to venture to the past, and I will. But I must say that my whole past was negative. Yeah. Honestly, it was really, really, a really, really negative place. I probably can count on one hand how many positive um, memories I have in my past. So that in itself was a fuel, you know, motivation to um, increase me, to allow me to be this this person that I am today, you know. And it was was such a a lot of negative moments, a lot of uh, 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 negative environment. The the living conditions were negative. So everything was negative. And so – that's trauma in itself, yeah. you know, growing up, in, growing up in those environments. So all of those things just kind of fueled me to become this person that I am. And I'm st- I'm still being fueled sure. yeah. <laughs> to become the next version of me. But, yeah, that's a little bit about my past. Any particular question you want to know about my past? Um, what At what point did you wake up one day and go, I know that I want the, the route I want to take is to become a therapist. It, was there, was there a aha, aha moment for mm-hmm. you or was it a slow burn to kind of get to that point? What, what, what there, there had to be a day that you said, okay, I'm, I'm going to take this path. What mm-hmm. led you, what, what made you make that decision? Well, that's a good question. <laughs> so for me, now that I think about it, I've always had that, that in me. I didn't realize it. it. I believe it was probably when, um, and I got to be a little bit graphic, really, really, um, not too graphic, but you know, just, just seeing. <laughs> I can edit it out. Don't yeah, worry. Yeah. Just seeing a lot of abuse by my dad mm-hmm. to my mom and, yeah. and, and wondering, um, is this okay? Is this, is this real? Should this be this way? Yeah, it's like, you know? I was like, you're watching a movie almost, yeah. but it's your life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was my life. Like, is, should this, is this supposed to be happening? Is 
And so all of that, this was embedded in me for a long, for, for many, 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 many years. And, and while I didn't really even recognize it. So I remember when I was a senior in high school, when you move in as a senior, you have those, um, your senior books and you write down all the things and everybody mm-hmm. signs your books and yearbook. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And, um, it was like a, a memories book. And so I remember years later when I was about uh, 30 years old, I looked back at the book and it asked, what do you want to be when you grow up? Well, for, at first I want to be a singer, actually. Okay. This, this is, oh, no, so you can sing? I can. Can and you I, give me an example right now? I can't. But, <laughs> but, <laughs> we'll save that for the next yeah, podcast. Yeah. And I also want to be an actor. Okay. Actually, absolutely. So I remember, <laughs> yeah, and that's kind of crazy, but I remember I took acting in, in high school. Yeah. And, I was the top student in the class, actually. And the, and the drama teacher said, you know, told my mom, your son should go off to performing arts school. Mm-hmm. But coming from the South and a very ethnic mother, she yes. didn't quite understand, you know, the dynamics right. of all that. But anyway, I put down in my senior book that I want to be a social worker. Okay. And so while I recognize that a social worker and a, and a, a, a LPC are not the same profession, it's similar because both provide therapy mm-hmm. um to clients and so fast for um working at my my job i had a i had a job at care south carolina and i worked there for i'm not sure you're familiar with it not care south I am. Carolina. Yep. yeah mm-hmm. so i worked there for about nine years as a purchasing director and i was about at 32 years old i realized that i wanted to make a change okay and i went back to school and and had no idea that um psychology was going to be my path I was always dealing with things from the past. I was always dealing with anxiety and, mm-hmm. and dark memories and memories from the past. And and so at that moment, when I went and signed up for Coker and uh, I majored in psychology, that started, that that allowed that dream to start coming okay. true. Yeah. And honestly, if I, if I must be really, really, really honest with you today. Yeah, let's do it. it, it even when I got my bachelor's degree, um, and and I graduated. I had no plans of going for my master's degree. Okay. I did not want to be a a therapist. I was like, you know, look, I'm gonna get to go this fast track, get this four year degree, <laughs> and find a job because I want to get out of the job that I'm currently working at. So that was my thought. Okay. But it wasn't until my professor at the time, she said that, um, and I and I gotta say this, and you might have to edit this out, but I just gotta say this. <laughs> but my professor said, "So are you going back for your master's?" She's my advisor at the time. Okay. And I said, "No." She said, "Well, why not?" She said, "Bachelor degree level, a bachelor degree in psychology, the pay is shitty." Yeah. And I was like, "Really?" And she said, "Yeah." So she said, "You need to go back and get your master's degree." So it wasn't to then t- towards the end of my 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 tenure at, at Coker. Literally, like a, a a month before, I decided to go back and get my master's degree, wow. and the rest is history. Wow! All right, well, good for that professor to, yeah. to give you that nudge you needed yeah. to say, "Hey, yeah. let's take it to the next level." Awesome. So we'll jump into some questions here. These mm-hmm. are questions that I wrote down. I asked some friends, I asked family members, "Do you have any questions that you would have for a a, a therapist? If if you had questions to ask, what would you ask them?" Mm-hmm. So some of these are from me. Some of these are from other folks. This is just accumulation of questions I had, and. So if you watch movies or TV shows, you hear all these terms. You hear psychiatrist, psychologist, therapist, counselor, shrink. <laughs> I might be missing some, but can you talk about, is there a difference between those? Is there a significant difference, or is that just a term that people use for these different things? Well, there's absolutely a difference. There is, and okay. a lot of people don't understand the difference. Right. So I want to explain that to you today. Yes, please do. So let's start with psychiatrists. Yes. A psychiatrist is 
a medical doctor. Okay. A psychiatrist, on, in most instances, will not provide counseling to their patients. A psychiatrist writes prescriptions. Okay. That's essentially what a psychiatrist does. Uh, while I recognize that some people go to a psychiatrist, um, for, can a psychiatrist provide counseling? They can. Yeah. Will a psychiatrist provide counseling? In most cases, probably not. Mm -hmm. Their their job is to um, assess the client. You know, they they do some testing as well. Yeah. But more moreover, a psychiatrist a psychiatrist is a medical doctor. Okay. And their in in most instances, their job is to uh, write prescriptions um, um, for for mental health um, deficiencies and things of that nature. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So a, a psychologist is. How, how does that differ from a psychiatrist? A, psychi a psychologist is also a, um, is, is a PhD doctor. Okay. Um, a psychologist mainly does testing. Okay. Um, you know, when you want a client, if a client comes to my office and say, and I tell the, the parent or I tell the client, hey, I want to make a, a referral for you to go get a psychological evaluation. Okay. A, a psychologist um, administer a bat batteries of tests to determine what the underlying issues could be. If that person could be diagnosed with autism mm -hmm. or if the person could be diagnosed with um, bipolar disorder. Mm -hmm. That's what a psychologist does. And, and so psychologists and psychiatrists kind of, they're, they're a little bit similar, okay. you know, but most psycho psychologists um, mainly, um, and they can provide some, some, but in most cases, psychologists are, are, are geared to do mainly testing. Testing, um, to okay. To see um, what a person, or they can even test for, um, IQs, you know, yeah. or, or if a person has a learning disability, um, things of that nature. So that's probably what a psychologist does. So you, you're kind of saying that a psychiatrist and a psychologist, they won't necessarily sit down with someone and, and tell that person to, to, to open up to them. That's more what a therapist does or. So, yeah. And so I, I remember, I remember, and this goes back to graduate school. I remember when I was in graduate school and, and my professor, um, at the time he spoke about this, he said, look, and, 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 and people were like, what? He said in class, a psychiatrist will not provide you counseling. <laughs> so, and, 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 and people who hear this probably um, talk against it. Well, no, that's not true. My psychiatrist <laughs> does. Well, if you really, really research it, you and, yeah. and, and see that you will see that psychiatrists typically don't provide um, therapy. They don't have the time. Yeah. And so he even said that he said a psychiatrist was one someone that prescribes medications. Yeah. Um, so the last one, a, a, a therapist, you said? Ther well, a therapist, a counselor, and a shrink. Yeah, well, like, shrink, I hear all these terms. Well, a shrink is a therapist. I mean, okay. They call you a therapist. It's a just, so it's, it's just a, a street name a for a therapist? Name, okay. Yeah. So a therapist, which a licensed therapist is what I am. I'm a mm -hmm. licensed professional counselor. And what also falls in that category is uh, a licensed um, social worker. All of those work in the capacity as a therapist. Okay. I'm um, a licensed independent social worker. Um, a licensed professional counselor, which is who I am. Mm -hmm. That's my title. We are the ones I choose to say that are on the front lines providing that um, psychotherapy to our clients. Okay. Um, listening to their concerns, um, hearing their problems, and providing them with solution tips and suggestions on how to rectify that particular um, problem. So yeah. Gotcha. So it, we're we're in the we're in the thick of it. Yeah. We're the ones on the front lines, mm -hmm. so to speak, you know, providing the therapy to them. And, and so that's what I do. So it kind of, if, if someone was to go to their PCP, their primary mm -hmm. care provider and say, I may have anxiety or depression. Mm -hmm. And, and then that 
PCP refers them, they'll initially refer them to a, maybe a counselor or a therapist. Mm -hmm. And then you as a counselor or therapist would prefer them to refer them to a psychiatrist, psychologist, or is there, is there a line of not necessarily? Cause okay. here's the thing if a, a client can, a patient can go to their doctor. Mm -hmm. For example, if someone says, you know, I feel like I, I feel a little anxious, mm -hmm. you know, in most cases, the first person they're going to go to is part of their PCP. Right. Until their doctor say, mm -hmm. I'm, "I'm feeling a little bit anxious," and the doctor can definitely diagnose them with anxiety. Okay. And in most cases, the doctor is going to refer them to a therapist to work on addressing those symptoms of anxiety. Yeah. And so, as a therapist, as well as a um, psychiatrist, we can diagnose. We can give them a diagnosis of whether or not they have anxiety or not. So they come to my office and say, in most cases, they're gonna now they can come off off as a walk in and, and be self referred as well. Yeah. But in most cases, um, most individuals go to doctor first, and 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 tell them about their symptoms. Um, that doctor at that time may or may not provi provide some type of sort of medication. But what's gonna most in most instances, in most cases, the doctor is gonna refer them to a, a therapist or a counselor like myself to address those underlying um, symptoms. Gotcha. And I die and I will in hand diagnose them with anxiety or yeah. depression and, and or so forth so so just just to clear it mm -hmm. so someone doesn't necessarily have to have a pcp they could just call you directly Absolutely. and say hey i would like to schedule a session with a, a, a licensed professional absolutely okay. absolutely and i get a lot of that and here recently uh, which is which has been great um a lot of people have been self-referred referring themselves yeah for good that's good um, uh, which is, is I'm 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 so very very impressed with that because yeah. they're recognizing hey I may need to speak to someone right and, and yeah. they're doing it they're they're um facilitating the change yeah so I like to call it gotcha so um I've I've talked about this before on my other podcasts and, and blogs um I talked about my my depression my anxiety mm -hmm. so from a, a clinical point of view what is depression what would you say if you had to sum up depression in a you know, maybe a few sentences or a paragraph. What is depression from a clinical point of view? Well, here's the thing: you know, there, there are a lot of definitions about, about uh, clinical definitions about the pro depression is, but but for most, for me as a therapist, when I when someone is depressed, what I typically ask them: What are your symptoms? You yeah. know, um, is there isolation? Um, is there overeat? Are you overeating? Are you undereating? Um, are you are you how tearful are you? Are you crying on a consecutive yeah. basis? Um, are you um, turning to drugs and or alcohol? You know, th those are mainly the, I go by the symptoms. You sure. Know, symptoms of, of depression because, and excuse me, I'm sorry. I'm, no, no, no problem. Because in that instance, you get a, a clear understanding of what the symptoms are and you can relate that to depression. But more importantly, depression is a, is a, um, is a state that a, per, a person may be mm -hmm. in, you know, sure. that's not not of, of their norm, right. you know. Um, someone who per, you, you start to isolate or you start to, you know, um, re refrain from um, any form of communication, you know, mm -hmm. lying in the bed for more than, uh, for over six hours at yeah. a time, you know. Right. And, and so it goes back to me for this more of the symptoms that a person may be exhibiting. Okay. And similar with anxiety, similar with anxiety. yeah. So I, know. I know there are, there are differences in mm -hmm. in um, the signs or, or the, mm -hmm. the symptoms. Um, mm -hmm. So talk about anxiety a little bit. So anxiety is a, is a heightened state of nervousness mm -hmm. and um, um, heightened state of um, can be irritable, irritability. Mm -hmm. yep. um, you know, s s palms are sweaty. Um, negative thoughts tend to come. 
um, more more frequently than, than, than they used to come. Yep. Um, anxiety leads to panic attacks. You know, a person gets sure. over, over, overly anxious and mm-hmm. can have panic attacks. Um, anxiety triggers. You know, it can be triggered from past traumas. You know, um, but but the the normal one of the normal and and symptoms that I see most often is individuals who have irritability, um, nervousness. Um, fear, mm-hmm. you know, um, those are the classic symptoms of anxiety. Yeah, from from what the research I did for anxiety is like everybody has anxiety mm-hmm. to some level, but that generalized anxiety disorder, the GAD, mm-hmm. that's when that anxiety could like somewhat start affecting your personal life, mm-hmm. your professional life. At that point, that's when folks I think need to seek seek help. Seek help. Yeah, and you said something so profound. If we did not have anxiety, we would not be living. Right, yeah, yeah. From Everybody the research I found, anxiety is a good. It, yeah. It's a good tool. Mm-hmm. It's it's a it's a it's kind of keep you out of danger, keep you out of yeah. uh, from fight or flight. Yeah, um, right. Um, syndrome, but yeah, yeah. If we didn't have anxiety, we would not be living. Yeah, you know, and honestly, be in, and there's good anxiety and and there's bad anxiety, and we create our own anxiety. We do, yes. And people don't realize that we we are the gatekeepers as to how our anxiety. Um, inter, inter, interrupts our lives. Yeah. You know? And, and one of the, the, the acronyms that I typically use for anxiety, and I read this somewhere, and I've, I've been using it ever since um, in some of my sessions, fear. Mm-hmm. The acronym, you, you use the F, which is false. Okay. The E is evidence. Mm-hmm. The A is appearing. And the R is real. False, evidence, appearing real. Mm-hmm. Think about that. Yeah. Yeah, it's That's really good. Yeah, yeah, I like that. There's, there's, it's false. Mm-hmm. There's no evidence that this thought will make it, will will make it to fruition. Mm-hmm. Um, but it appears, it appears as though it's really happening. Sure. And that's when the symptoms of anxiety start to increase or exacerbate. You yeah. Know? And so we have to be um, really, really, really cognizant about changing the direction of our thinking. Okay. You know, and I tell a lot of my clients, you know. You are in control of your anxiety. I'm in control of my anxiety. Yeah. You know, and and when and when a negative thought starts to creep up, then that's when I have to reposition that thought, I restructure that thought to a more positive thought. Sure. So we have control over it. Um, so what are some of the main factors that contribute to mental health issues that you've, you've, you know, from your interaction with your patients, mm-hmm. from what you have studied, what, what do you say are those main driving factors? I know hereditary is some of them, um, traumatic events, are there, are there others? Well, there, the, the list can go on. I mean, but in my experiences, and since I've been a therapist in most cases, most individuals who have experienced some form of trauma mm-hmm. in their past, and that can be physical, emotional, physical, emotional, um, secondhand trauma. Mm-hmm. What's the yeah. secondhand trauma? So secondhand um, trauma will be in a secondhand PTSD in a sense. Okay. So let's say, for example, um, I'm going, I'm going to give you the, the right example here. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Give me a minute because I'm, I'm on top of my dome. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> so for example, you were riding in your car, right? Mm-hmm. And you got to the stoplight. Yeah. And the wreck has already happened. Yeah. Right. You were you didn't have the 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 first hand um, visuals. Yeah. Of this this traumatic car wreck. Right. Because you were not there. However, when you were passing by, you saw a person laid out on on the stretcher. Yeah. And 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 you're like, oh my gosh, somebody's been hurt. And you saw right. this car just all smashed to pieces. Right. 
um, and and then you drive away while looking at that. Mm-hmm. You you were exposed to it, right? Right. And some people that's difficult for some people. Yeah, and sure. That, and that can be considered secondhand trauma. Why you were not the actual person involved in that, right? Mm-hmm. Or, or or even like a, a EMS worker, they wasn't the one that they when they came up to the scene, you know. Yeah. They saw everything, you know. Okay. And that can be. That's an example, and I can, I can give you probably many more, but that's that's one no, that's a that's a that's a really good example. It's almost um, like a an accidental mental illness, like, like accidental yeah. trauma. Yeah, you know, and and yeah, it, it, like for example, and I hate to bring this up, but um, like the Oscars. Okay. Okay. <laughs> bring it up. Yeah, it's, it's still on. It's oh, still gosh. fresh in people's minds. So, I actually was watching the Oscars that night. Okay. And I saw when. Will Smith went on the stage sure. to slap Chris Rock. Yes, he did. That secondhand trauma because we were in our homes witnessing it. Yeah, right. When when you initially saw it, you, were you thinking was that staged? Yeah, like, when I what just happened. When initially happened, I was like, okay, what just happened here? Was that because I was looking like <laughs> right? Okay, was that supposed to happen? Right. And then I, when I saw him using the profanities back in the audience, right? Then I knew it was real. Yeah. So for a lot of people, you, and not only you probably saw some of the interviews when some of the the presenters are the host said, "I was traumatized." Yeah. I'm still not processing this. Sure. That's considered to be secondhand. Okay. Because we were at home witnessing it, we saw it. Um, that could be secondhand PTSD for some people because it can bring back other memories of things that have happened in their lives. Yeah, it's you know, and so yeah, that that would be another example of it as well. I've read that 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 folks that experience trauma, uh, probably maybe firsthand trauma, mm-hmm. physical or emotional trauma, when in their in their younger ages, that they kind of get stuck in that time frame when it happened. Is that is that is there some truth to that? Well, excuse me. Um, there is some truth to that because they have not processed the trauma, right? And if and and if I must use myself, so growing up, I witnessed a lot of physical violence on a consistent basis. Sure. Um. My 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 dad he he would beat my mom horrifically, mm-hmm. um, with bats and all other all kind of objects. Wow. Yeah. Um. And so we witnessed this quite quite often. Um. Never went into counseling. But as I, you know, matriculated in age and got older, I can remember at 17 years old, um, I I would have so many defeating negative thoughts mm-hmm. as uh, every day. Like I was going to die um, uh, when I go to sleep at night, I'm going to die and mm-hmm. I'm going it, to. It, it was horrific. It was constant negative thinking. I had negative thoughts in my mind, um, cursing God. And, sure. and so I didn't realize at the time until I got older I was about 40 years old. What was happening at that time? Uh-huh. I was still in the trauma. Right. I was still living the trauma and had no idea what was going on. Mm-hmm. And I thought I was going crazy, honestly. Right. And I thought that I was like, what is going on? Why is this happening? Well, what was happening was I was still in that trauma, even though he was no longer there. Yeah. He left when I was in the fifth grade, but which is the best day of my life, by the way. Um, <laughs> people who hear this might like, oh my gosh. But yeah, it was the best day of my life because I, I didn't have to witness any more sure. trauma. Mm-hmm. I, didn't have to, I didn't have to live in any more pain anymore. And so when I got older, well, that trauma still was here. In my, it was it, it's still in my, in my yeah. mental. Mm-hmm. And I never processed it, right? And as I got older, then I started processing. I never went to therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, you, know, <laughs> you know, back in the... 80s i guess and 90s mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not saying that was therapy wasn't there but 
a lot of African Americans ain't go to therapy. Yeah. That's a whole other topic we'll talk about later. Yes, but, we will. Yeah, um, but so that wasn't readily available for us. So, so I had to process it um, as I got older, and I pro- and, and, I, and a lot of me processing it unfortunately led to alcohol and um, and or other drugs. And so, and then I realized, well, that ain't taking it away. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. So I had to start processing it in, in other ways. You know, mm-hmm. um, obtaining, um, increasing my faith and. Um, and non and and having a better relationship with my higher power, oh. which is God. So yeah. Well, that that leads me into my next question <clears throat> for mental health issues mm-hmm. such as depression, anxiety. Um, what are your recommendations for treatment other than medication? Medications that that's the easy mm-hmm. okay, write a prescription mm-hmm. for this person. They can start taking medication. But what I found from personal personally that medication is helpful. It's a tool in the tool belt, but it is not the end all be all. There's definitely mm-hmm. more. I I, I I do journaling. I go to counseling, really I, I, communication. I, I do several different things, exercise. But um, are there any recommendations for treatment that you have other than meds? <laughs> well, you just name a lot of them. Ooh, that was, I, did, <laughs> I, 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 I did? Okay, good. You did good. Good, good. Yeah, well, but one of the biggest ones is seeking a, ther- a therapist. Okay. Seeking a therapist, you know, going out, finding someone that you can talk to about these concerns, but not always. And some in therapy may not work for everybody. So you're right. You got to have some other kind of coping um, mechanism that you can use, and like work, exercise. You know, mm-hmm. I exercise a lot. We, we both yes, know, we I do. See, yep. in the gym a lot. Mm-hmm. So um, vacationing for me is important. Okay, which is a form of self care. Um, um, keeping a journal. I I for a long time. I kept a negative thought journal. Okay. And what that was, because um, you know, we have these, you know, I realized I started learning more about, as I was in graduate school, started learning more about cognitive behavioral therapy. Yep. And that was one of the um, the homework assignments that, that, uh, that came with cognitive behavioral therapy was keeping a journal. So I started keeping a negative thought journal. And every negative thought that would enter my mind, unwantingly Mm -hmm. i would write that thought down in my journal and i will replace it with the positive thought okay can you give me an example and it don't have to be personal just like what do you tell your clients to do um so a negative thought comes to your mind like um i'm such an idiot i'm a stupid person Mm -hmm. i'll never i'll never succeed at anything yeah so i will replace that thought with i'm an amazing person um people love me i'm smart i'm intelligent and i will succeed Mm -hmm. See, what's happening is we have to defeat that thought. We have to get that thought out of our heads. Because when we keep it in our head, what's, what's going to happen? It's going to continue to continue to grow like like a snowball rolling downhill. It gets absolutely. bigger it's and bigger and bigger. Grow, yep. And then it's going to grow into another big negative thought. Yeah. So what has to happen is we have to defeat it immediately. We have to restructure that thought immediately by writing it down and changing over. Henceforth. So what happens is... The, the, the people always ask, well, why do I have to write it down? I don't like to write. <laughs> well, you need to write because what happens is when that thought comes back in your mind, the likelihood that it will cause any anxiety will be really, really, really minimal because you've already restructured that thought. That thought, yeah. That makes any sense. That makes, that makes perfect sense. I, yeah. I, I journal a lot, so mm-hmm. I, I kind of know the benefits of it. And yeah, you're, you're right. That um, what I'll do sometimes if, if, I'm at you know, work or at home and I, these negative thoughts mm-hmm. start coming up. I'll write down in my journal what I'm thinking, you know, the negative stuff. And on, on, on the left side of the paper, on the right side mm-hmm. of the paper, I'll write down, okay, let's start. What is real, realistically going to happen here? I kind of do like, 
worst case scenario here, realistically, what's going to happen here, and that changes my thought process and it helps me get yeah. out of that funk yeah. I'm in. You think thought about I thought about a homework assignment I give my clients is called challenging negative thoughts, uh-huh. and on that challenging negative thoughts, um, they have to write their negative thought down, and then the, the second section is the worst case scenario. Will this still affect you a year from now? Um, uh, a month or uh, six months from now or a month from now and it goes to kind of give them that that um realization that you know what this thought may not you know affect me six months from now so why should i allow it to affect me now right you know so you're challenging it you're challenging that negative thought Excuse me. no that's okay um so what are some signs that your friends or loved ones might be having some mental health issues that like some some maybe uh you know, not not um, out in the open signs, but maybe some some buried signs like uh, passive aggressiveness on on social media, or is there anything I'm missing? Or what what is what what's, what to look for with friends and family members that you you think might be struggling? Well, not man, I gotta be honest. Yes, so, um, let's do that. That's a that's a not a question that I can really because I don't really have a close relationship with my family. Okay, <laughs> so my whole family, <laughs> my um, this is a very um, real moment right now. Yeah, so, yeah that's so fine. My whole side of the family on my on my dad's side, you know, I don't. It's it's called emotional cutoff. An emotional cutoff is a form of um, is a family therapy, marriage counseling type term term that when you have to emotionally cut people off, that provides that anxiety or yeah. provides <laughs> negatively that depression to you so so you, you can you can know family and friends probably having some issues but, but for me i really can't ask that question that's okay i, I can that's... say for my for my wife i will say that mm-hmm. let me speak about her um you know she lost her mom a few uh, about five years ago so i know when she's having a moment of depression because she she becomes very quiet mm-hmm. um Sometimes anger creeps up in her sure. really fast. Mm-hmm. Um, she becomes a little bit lethargic. Um, the communication has ceased, and and I have to kind of like ask a lot of little questions to her. Hey, are you okay? Um, hey, do you want to get some ice cream? Mm-hmm. I don't know. This is this fun thing, you know, things that might make her say, "Oh yeah," but yeah. So it, you have to know the person. You have yeah. to know that family member. Yeah. You have to know their original mood. Mm-hmm. You have to know how they typically will act. You know, so. Those are some of the signs I see from her. I got you. And and so what's so I think you you just kind of nailed it. But the appropriate way to approach a friend or family member that might need help. What's your your take on that? Is just approach them, you know, with a with a good heart, open heart. Say, yeah. hey, I know this person might be struggling. Let's let's talk about it. Yeah, I, you know, just approach them, especially if you have a great relationship with them. You know, and just say, hey, you know, I noticed today is not your day. Can yeah. you tell me what's going on? If you will. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't, you know. Then we can talk about it later, you know. And 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 one of the things I had to realize is that you have to just listen sometimes, you know. Mm-hmm. Every every response doesn't need your response, right? Yeah. <laughs> Some know? people just want to vent yeah, and just yeah. vent, and they don't want answers because us yeah. men we like to we like to solve problems. Yeah, absolutely. So, so sometimes mm-hmm. when when Miranda's been into mm-hmm. me, I'm I'm getting into problem solving mode. Let's do this and that. Yeah. She just wants to sit, get it yeah. off. She just wants to get it off her chest. Yeah, yeah. So sometimes I'll ask her, "Hey, do you?" Before you before you tell me this story, do you want me to problem solve with you, or do you just want me to listen to you? And that well, see, I, that's the, that's see, that's my problem. Though I think my wife, she tell me, don't bring that therapy stuff home. <laughs> don't you bring know, that therapy stuff home. I, I have a hard time just listening to sure. her, and and I'm like, okay, well, 
because I don't have, I have a hard, I mean, and I know it's part of my job and I think it's mm-hmm. part because it's part of my job when I get home and I want to fix things in my home or in, in my marriage, I'm like, okay, I'm going to say what I think, you know? And so I realize that sometimes it's not about me giving responses mm-hmm. or answers. I just need to listen to see what, she, what she's got going yeah. on. Okay. So through your studies and, and your work, are there any stats that have really stuck out um, to you about men's mental health issues? Is it, have you seen any yeah, stats that you've been like, holy crap? Well, yeah. So prior to coming here, I did some research. Oh, look so, at you doing research. I Kelvin, know, that's I what I'm know. talking about. I know. I know. Um, so um, I'm going to pull up this, my little research here sure. in one minute. So now, when you speak about what what I pulled up was now, when you say you speak about men in general, right? Yeah, yes, so, men. Yeah. So men in general, and I have some research related to um, men, but I think more um, from the, the African American standpoint, they, they talked about men in general as well. You know, most of the time, and what I've learned, and numbers could be be personal for a minute, you mm-hmm. know, from what I sure. learned in my, in my, pro, yep. in my practice, uh, with some of my clients, from a, from a personal standpoint, in, in most instances, men typically will not, um, seek therapy unless, um, their identity has been affected. What do you mean by that? And what I mean by that is if a man's identity goes along with his profession, mm-hmm. then they'll come to therapy. So, right. So, mm-hmm. so in most cases, men identify themselves with their job. Okay. What they do for a living. Yeah. Right. So, if their job has been altered or something has happened to their profession, then they're probably going to come to therapy because at that point, they don't. They feel like they're worthless. Yeah. Right. Why do men tie their jobs to their self worth? Why is that a thing? I know it's a thing because I, I, I was that guy mm-hmm. two, three years ago. Mm-hmm. I know exactly what you're, what you're saying there. So why do, why do we do that? Well, you know, I can only give what what my thoughts are. I don't, yeah, I don't really know. yes, absolutely. Because I don't know what the. Let me just give Kelvin Durant. The, the I, I want to hear Kelvin Durant's the, thoughts on this. Yeah. Yes, I, I, for me, it goes back to um, to generations. I feel mm-hmm. like you know, as you think about generations, you know, men were the 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 breadwinners of their home, and they were yep. in charge of. Um, People like to go out to the olden days, right? Yeah, sure. <laughs> so, so they were they were um, the gatekeepers of their homes. They were um, the providers. Um, they they were they were told it had to be the providers, you know, and mm-hmm. nothing else was going to go up against that. So think about that. Someone who was the provider of their of their home, someone who was the king in their home, you mm-hmm. know, the, and they're 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 the one in charge of making sure the family is protected by their profession and if their profession is taken away from them then what else do they have you right. know i had a client years ago um job he was laid off from his, his job mm-hmm. and he had overwhelming thoughts of suicide because he felt like he didn't matter anymore right um wh- why should i go on i can't take care of my family mm-hmm. so why should i still be here and, you know and so it goes back to men associating um their worth with their work. <laughs> mm-hmm. So what's your advice to, to break free from that? You know, my advice to break free from that is to find other things that you're amazing at mm-hmm. besides just your work, you know, um, 
hobbies, you know, go yeah. out and volunteer work, like what you're doing, starting a podcast. Right. Yeah. Which this, is, a, which this, is this amazing. Is, this is a, a perfect example of a couple of years ago. I, I put so much self worth into my job. Yeah. Um, and it's not my, my job's a good job, but I realized what I was doing and I was like, I got to change because if I, my job would have a bad day, I would have a bad day. And I'm like, I can't, I can't keep tying yeah. myself to this. Yeah. So I, I, I started this because yeah. I, I, I wasn't getting that fulfillment I need in my job. So I started part-time struggle to, to get that outlet. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm hoping I'm helping others. And that's, that's what brings me joy. Yeah. So. And that's how you, that's how you break that, Matt, you know, because you, you start, start thinking about what else am I passionate about besides yeah. my profession, you mm -hmm. know? And like hobbies, you know, and I got a buddy now that, you know, he, he, he he's in a Jeep club now, you know, yeah. and, and, you know, and he loves his Jeep club. Sure. And so yeah. And those are the things that you have to do to find out what are the other um, amazing um, attributes that I have besides being a director or being a, a, a chef, I don't know, or being a therapist, yeah. you know, finding other things that you're amazing at. What what are your outside hobbies? I know you. I know I you know go to you the were gym. Ask me that. Yeah. yeah, I know you go to the gym. What else you got? Um. Okay. So. Um, <laughs> and I got to ask the question. So my other, I like to um travel. Okay. Yeah. I like to travel. Um. I like to. I like to shop. <laughs> I don't do all the outside stuff. I don't. Uh, uh, so yeah. I don't okay. Do that. Um. See, I think for you, you know, you have the, a new you counseling center, which you, you yeah, do, yeah. Uh, that's your, your Monday through Friday job, yeah, but then mm -hmm. a new you speaks. Yeah, to me, so, that's yeah. kind of like your hobby, yeah, even it, though it, it, is, it yeah. ties to your profession in a yeah. way, but it's still something yeah. you're breaking free from. And yeah, and it's something that I'm passionate about doing. And so, yeah, so speaking and promoting mental health services is definitely a hobby for me. But I mean, of course, you have to, I mean, I'm hoping to get paid as well. I mean, of I, course. It's, yeah. It's a, it's a business, but it's something that I'm passionate about doing. But yeah, I, I like traveling. I like working out. Um, I like, um, I like shopping, you know, yeah. of that nature. So, you know, but that's a funny question, you know, um, because, and I, and I think for me, a lot of mine goes back to not being exposed to things early on in my life. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and because growing, growing up in poverty, you know, I wasn't exposed to a lot of things. And yeah. so it wasn't to hear to recently when I realized, Hey, I can do whatever I want to do. Um, because I'm capable of, of doing those things now. Um, wasn't a lot of exposure to once again it goes back to to i told you growing up in a negative environment and just not having a lot of um, positive outlets or positive things to do so yeah i'm st and honestly matt you know i'm still learning yeah to to find um other um positive things to do that could make me feel great about myself yeah and i, I recently did a podcast with my wife miranda talking about um uh, midlife crisis mm -hmm. i was wondering am i going through a midlife crisis now so i did a lot of research on midlife crisis and and, and i might be I'm, a, I'm just pivoting a little bit later in life like if i had started this podcast when i was in my mm -hmm. early 20s mm -hmm. people probably wouldn't look at it as a midlife crisis but now i'm almost 40 they're like is he going through a midlife crisis he's mm -hmm. he's he, he stopped playing drums he's not doing drums anymore and he's pivoting to this other thing is that a midlife crisis um, so yeah, and, and, and some men might do that. It, and I don't want men to view midlife crisis as a negative thing. Cause for a long time, I viewed a midlife crisis as a negative theme mm -hmm. because that's how Hollywood portrayed mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. Hollywood portrayed midlife crisis mm -hmm. as a, a guy that would go spend foolish money on, mm -hmm. on a car. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, he might leave his, his wife or a younger woman <laughs> or, you know, just, just mm -hmm. do foolish stuff, trying to relive his, his younger days. 
But what I found is midlife crisis can be a positive it thing. Can. Yeah, yeah, and and yeah. I, I'm trying I'm trying to to make my my yeah. so-called midlife crisis to a positive thing. Mm-hmm. And what I'm trying to um, articulate to other men is that just because you've done something for 40 years or 30 years or 20 years don't mean you can't you can just stop doing it and mm-hmm. try something new. Mm-hmm. Try something new. Fail. I was scared of failure. That's why it took me so yeah. long to start this. Mm-hmm. I wanted to do this for a while, mm-hmm. but I was just so scared of will anybody listen? Will I be any good at it? And finally, I just said, the hell with all that. I'm just going to do it because I'm going to enjoy doing it. And if, if and my, I, I looked at what is success to me for this. And the success mm-hmm. to me for this is if I can get one guy to listen to it mm-hmm. that's on the fence and then he go he go seeks help, mm-hmm. I feel like I've won. Yeah. So that's my how I'm viewing success for this, not how I sound, not my how many – how many people listen to it or how many clicks I get, whatever. That's my success is, is built about just helping one, at least one person. And if a midlife crisis is based on reinventing yourself, then Hey, have many midlife crises. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Don't view it as a negative. Yeah, absolutely. Because I, you know, I'll be 44 in, in June. actually. Uh So, you know, I, I guess I had my midlife crisis when I went back to school to get my master's degree because <laughs> I did something that I wasn't, I didn't think I was going to do. And then I opened up a practice at, um, I think I was 40, 40 or 41 to wow. open my practice. Probably 41. And so, yeah, uh, a private practice at 41 years old. I mean, you know, no, yeah. I'm saying that's that, that, and actually that's, that's the, actually probably a good age in this field. Yeah. Um, but my job is to continue having a life crisis because yeah, absolutely. I want to continue, Embrace it. Yeah. continue to create some amazing stuff and create some amazing businesses. And you're right with the new you speaks, you know, I had doubts about it going in. Like who wants to listen to me? Right? I right. don't like to listen to my own voice sometimes. Hey, that's you know? exactly what I say about yeah. myself. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, so who won't listen to me? So, but someone out there wants to listen to me and mm-hmm. I'm going to continue um, professing. I'm going to continue to market it because mental health is important. We need to change the narrative. Of course. We yeah. have to change the narrative. And, you know, and, and that's a form of therapy. That, yeah. That's actually a, a, um, a theoretical modality mm-hmm. that, you know, that's part of. Um, my theoretical preference, which is solution-focused um, brief therapy, and solution-focused brief therapy, um, the the um, clients are the master of their problems. Yeah. And my job as a therapist is to help them come up with solutions. With solutions. Yeah. And part of those solutions is changing the narrative. You know, Good. Yeah. like a book, change the narrative. Mm-hmm. You know, how how do you want that book to end? And so yeah. A new you speaks is I'm trying to change someone's narrative. Yeah, you know, go out and 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 someone people book me. So this is a plug to book new you speaks to come out to your organization, <laughs> your school, your business, your church to learn more about mental health services. So yeah, and that's what new you speaks is. Gotcha. And if you're listening to this, um, I will on my on parttimestruggle.com. I will I will have links to Kelvin's businesses. So if you are interested. Mm-hmm. Please, please hit Kelvin up and and book him or go go if you're ready for counseling, go see my man Kelvin. Mm-hmm. My next question for you or what what are some misconceptions about counseling that you've heard over the years? <laughs> and we've heard many. What's some that you've heard? Crazy people go to counseling. I'm yep. not crazy. I don't not think I'm crazy. <laughs> uh, that's, that's probably the biggest one. If I come to your office, um, people are gonna and and if you because your office your office out in the opening and, and people can pass by and see my car there they're gonna think that i'm crazy um another misconception about counseling is that um it doesn't work okay <laughs> yeah, clearly it does um uh, another misconception 
um, is um, this. I heard this the other day. I'm trying to I'm trying to remember. Give me a minute. Um, why should I come to counseling? Because genetically, I was supposed to be that way. You know, so counseling not yeah. gonna fix that. Right. So yeah, those are clear uh, uh, misconceptions about therapy. Yeah. But, you, you know, we. I, that's why I knew you speaks is here again mm-hmm. to break that stigma, um, to educate, to advocate. And to influence the importance of mental, but if, uh, mental health service, but important, more, most importantly, um, is to educate. You know, mm-hmm. especially educate. And a lot of people understand that mental health is so much more than that, and it's and it's nothing not about being crazy. It's mm-hmm. about um, attaining the level of peace that you so um, rightfully deserve. Right. Yeah. And I can I can speak to some of those misconceptions. Um, you mentioned. Uh, People thinking you're crazy. Well, you know, when I started going to, to therapy, I, I kind of had that misconception too. And you, you mentioned that therapy doesn't work. Well, it doesn't it doesn't work if you don't want it to work, if you're not ready to accept it. And the first time I went to therapy, I was not ready to accept it. Um, I went and talked about just surface, surface level stuff with, with Dr. Khan. Didn't get into the root of my issues. I wasn't ready to open up yet to a, a, a stranger, so to speak. But the next time I went to therapy, when I, when I was ready, that's when I had a world of difference happen, mm-hmm. and, and it, it believe me, it does work. If you were on the fence out there, go get help. It does indeed work, but you have to be ready. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And there are so many people out there, Matt, that are listening, or that will be listening to this and realize, you know what, they're telling the truth. And, and it does work, you know. And you're right. As a therapist, you know, when you first come in, I, I know I, I do. I, I, it's just a gift, I guess. I can tell a person telling the truth or not. Ah, that's, that's, I'm getting one of those questions. Good. Yeah. You segue for me, Kelvin. You're, you're good at this. <laughs> you need to have your own podcast. Oh, no, you need I'm to not. ditch me. No, 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 Go no, do no. your own thing. No, I'm. this is great right here. <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, you can tell a person is telling the truth or not because eye contact is so important. Okay. You know, if the person looking away or looking down or looking to the side, nine times out of ten, they're not telling, they're not being really, really truthful. Yeah. You know, one of the questions that I always ask when a person comes back to their second visit, and I'm going a little bit further into this, but is two questions. Um, I asked them, what were your thoughts about the first intake session? Mm-hmm. What were your thoughts when you got home? You had time to process being here. Yeah. What were your thoughts about this to overall um, mood what were you thought about the overall um, session just yeah. about therapy in general and the second question I asked them is were you a great historian of facts mm-hmm. did you give factual information yeah um, was there something that you held back on or something that you possibly forgot to, to tell me yeah in, in that first session and you will be amazed at how many people come in and say yeah well i didn't say this mm-hmm. you know i didn't tell you this and i'm like oh my gosh it's a whole book yeah you yeah me. right yeah so then we have to go back in and kind of update mm-hmm. the intake as, as the thing that they that they added but but more importantly people are very fearful coming yes, in at first of course, yes because they don't know what to expect um they're looking at this man behind this desk and who's mm-hmm. a stranger to them and mm-hmm. and how am i supposed to open up to someone who i do not know right so one of the things that i pride myself on honestly is my authenticity okay as a therapist you know you know i'm not to toot my own horn but people come in and say you know what you made me feel so comfortable mm-hmm. you made me feel that it's okay just to open up and talk you know i have people coming to my office on their first visit and they had been molested 20 times as a child mm-hmm. never told anybody yeah. until they came to that intake that day right you know and for me that means that i i um that means so much to me sure. because yeah. you know i was that individual that allowed them 
to open up and, and let's start processing yeah, this absolutely. trauma. Yeah, absolutely. That's huge. You know, and so, yeah, that that's really big. But, yeah, you know, any trained therapist um, should ideally be aware of a person telling the truth or not, mm-hmm. you know. Um, it's just, it's just I, I truly believe it's something that you just, it's just a, a gift maybe. I don't know. I, there's no rhyme or reason for it, but I feel like a, a therapist should know. But it also goes back to asking questions. You have to ask the right questions. Okay. Yeah. You know, we, we have a script that we go by, but, you know, you have to, um, you know, venture off from that script. Sometimes you got to go off script. Yep. Yeah. And, 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 and just kind of get a little bit deep, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? And, and ask, ask deeper questions yeah. to get to the, the answers. Gotcha. So what's a typical counseling session like with you? What's your job as the counselor for the patient? So let's say I'm a brand new patient. Mm-hmm. I finally have come to the conclusion that I need mm-hmm. – therapy i need help i call your office mm-hmm. i get an appointment booked i show up that day i sign in at the front desk i'm assuming i wait in the waiting room mm-hmm. and then 10 minutes later you come and come and get me we walk back to your office mm-hmm. what what's it like then well at that point i introduce myself i uh-huh. go over who i am as a person i go over my theoretical modality mm-hmm. i tell you what kind of therapist that i am okay and at that point you start um, wondering or realize okay is this a good fit but however at that point the first session is an intake and for me i always um do some deep breathing with most of my clients and get them to, to relax when they okay. first come in because think about it most people are really really nervous at, their, at that first appointment very tense very, very nervous tense, yep. very nervous especially they never had therapy before sure, you want to you want to calm them down make okay. them feel comfortable make them feel relaxed do a little bit of deep breathing exercises and at that point um you know we do an intake an intake is a is a it's a, a biopsychosocial assessment it's a lot of questions that i ask you know from the from the from the past the presenting the presenting problem you know, past traumas, um, medical conditions, um, past psychiatric history, um, the history of the problem. And so it kind of goes on. But one of the most important questions at the end of that intake is uh, a question that's, um, that we we broke down into a little acronym called SNAP. SNAP? And SNAP is okay. your, your strengths, your needs, mm-hmm. your abilities, and your preferences. Okay. And so in, with with those questions, that last question is pretty much asking, what are some things that you need mm-hmm. to be whole again? You know, what are some of your abilities and what are your preferences? Like, what are some things that you prefer to work on by coming to therapy? Um, you prefer another therapist. <laughs> you right. prefer, yeah. you know, uh, Indian therapist mm-hmm. or a, a Caucasian therapist. Or sure. So, yeah. So that last question is really, really important. It's kind of just give a, 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 a summary of what are the thing that they're wanting. Yeah. Do you typically try to pair males with males and females with females? Is that a thing? Well, I'm the only therapist at my practice. Okay. So, well, so. in general, is that is that like a thing? You, you well, it, where this the comfort level is, is men typically more comfortable talking to men, or are they more comfortable yeah, talking to women? Well, st- statistically, men are more comfortable talking to men. Okay. They are um, in in most cases, but that's that's for my part. I'm the only therapist there, so okay. when they go by preferences, if they don't want to see me, then I can refer them out to someone else that they will they will want to see. But you I know, gotcha. in most cases. You know, here recently, you know, and the, the world is changing, and, yeah. and people just want help, and that help can be any color, it can be any gender, mm-hmm. it can be anything, as long as sure. they get the help that they need. Yeah. So, um, how long are your counseling sessions, and how many meetings are needed? And I know that second question, it could be endless. Yeah. Uh, it really depends on the patient, but, but how long are your your counseling sessions, and typically, how many meetings do you have with your your patients? Do you foresee? Well, a typical counseling session, well, anywhere from um, 
whatever, 45 to 53 minutes. Okay. You know, yeah. roughly right about, yep. a, about an hour. Um, as to the frequency, mm-hmm. that's depending upon the, 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 the diagnosis. Yeah. Um, the symptoms that they are exhibiting at the, exhibiting at the time. Um, I will say this though, when a client starts therapy, mm-hmm. um, the three, every three month mark is a, um, a treatment plan update. And what that is, is we, up we, uh, evaluate the, their existing goals. So like a, a 90 day assessment, Yeah, 90 day assessment okay. called 90 day um, tri- treatment plan update. Okay. And if they have achieved those goals in that 90 days, then therapy ends. You know, mm-hmm. so essentially three months is the starting. And when they, starting and when you say frame. they have achieved that goal, that's them saying I've achieved the goal, or that's you agreeing that they have achieved the goal. Well, it's it's based off of of, of um my uh, assessment of them is and all of, of what their thoughts are. But more important, you got to think about it. Even if I tell a client that, hey, Matt. I don't think you achieved these goals in this in these ninety days, and they may say, "Well, hey, Mr. Durant, I've achieved these goals. I feel fine. Um, let's just take a break. You know, we we have to follow the lead of the client. Yeah, I can still give my professional recommendations. Mm-hmm. However, it's their therapy. If they don't want to no longer come, then I I can't make them come to therapy. Right. Anymore. Yeah. So I know that when I when I have my therapy sessions with Dr. Khan, mm-hmm. they always ask me, "Do you want to go ahead and make your next appointment?" Mm-hmm. It's it's never Dr. Khan says. Make, make the next appointment for Matthew. Mm-hmm. They always ask me, are you kind of similar in that? Do you say, you tell your patient, make the next appointment if you want, or do you recommend, hey, see me again in two mm-hmm. weeks or whatever? I, I asked them, I said, so are we scheduling another appointment? Okay. You know, yeah. and because cause we have, my, me and my clients have that rapport, and if they are scheduling another appointment, I tell them, all right, they go to the front desk and they'll get you scheduled. But in most cases, when you have that relationship with your clients, they'll tell you in the office, hey, I, I, I think I'm going to take a break. You okay. Know, uh, yeah. I, I want to take a break. Um, I, I want to just take and I work on these goals on my on my own mm-hmm. outside of therapy. But yeah, you know, I suggest is that hey, are we, are we scheduling another appointment or yeah, are we not? I got you. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so what do you want or what are you looking for from a patient as they are talking to you? Is there specific things you're looking for from the patient when you start? I don't want to say quizzing them, but when you start asking them questions, or is there certain things you're kind of looking for? Can you tell when they're they're holding back? I know you mentioned that yeah, eye yeah. contact, but yeah, can yeah. you tell when they're holding yeah. back a little bit? Number one thing I want, Matt, yeah. honesty. Okay. I, I mean, I'm, I, I would I was eventually say this right that every therapist probably wants the same thing, honesty, because you're not being honest, and how can I help you? So, do you ask questions like that? Oh, did you have any trauma in your past? Do you ask those questions, or you just expect them to bring no, it? I ask those questions you, on, on my initial assessment. Okay, I ask those so questions. you ask those questions, and I, and I tend to kind of venture back to that if I need to. Okay, yeah. All right, mm-hmm. and can, can you tell if somebody's hinting that something that happened in their past, but they don't they want to say it, or you, and you try to get them to? bring it up can you kind of tell if they're holding back or is that so yeah. is that kind of hard to gauge you, you know well it, it can be hard to gauge not in all instances but you know if they be non-verbals mm-hmm. body language is speaks volume so yeah. they kind of wiggle around the chair move around a little bit or you know kind of look away so non-verbal com- communication is very 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 important yeah and so um, and you're looking for that you're trying to pick up on these cues you, you pick up on the non-verbal non-verbal cues can't talk today um, non-verbal cues uh-huh. and so forth just to get, a, again, a better understanding of w- is it possible that they could be holding something back? Yeah. You know? Okay. And then, then we definitely ask some open-ended questions um, to get a, a better response. Okay. 
Um, do you have a, a success story of one of your male clients that was hesitant to get help um, and, and he finally did and you now see the benefits for it? Do you have a success? I know you can't mention names and yeah, I don't want you to mention names, yeah, yeah. but do you have? I can't do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, that's a, and that's something I want to tell other people about therapy. There's no, there, there's the, the patient um, client, what's it called? The patient client um, confidentiality. confidentiality. Yeah, so. Every client that comes into my office signs a HIPAA policy. Yeah. Um, and which states that I cannot relate any of their information by law yeah. um, or because my license could be suspended. And, and they also sign a consent to release information. Mm -hmm. And what that is, if there's anyone that they would like to have information about mm -hmm. their progress, they can put their person's name on that, on that consent form. Yeah, so if that's yeah. your hesitation out there, worried about what mm -hmm. somebody may or may not say, it is, mm -hmm. it is, it is by law you cannot talk about this. Don't let that be the reason you're not seeking therapy. Absolutely. Um, definitely don't let that be the reason. Yeah. But... Back to the question of, do you have a, a client that, mm -hmm. that was very hesitant mm -hmm. to get counseling or help, and they finally did? Now this, they're they're really not necessarily thriving, but they're doing much better. Yeah, I have a client currently now. I'm um, um, African American male, uh -huh. um, really a macho male. Yeah, okay. <laughs> you, know, you know, he drives trucks, and you know, he was really really hesitant. He came in for some issues with some relationship type things, and. Um, really wasn't on board at first, you know, yeah. when we had, and, and he was paying, you know, out of pocket. And so we, we had our first meeting and he was like, uh, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to come back or not. I just don't know. I mean, but he was able to participate at the, in the first session yeah. and really was kind of really, really hesitant about rescheduling because, because of all the stigma associated with therapy. Okay. And and the, the, the misconceptions yeah, we went over yeah, earlier. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 you know, being labeled and, and you write all the misconceptions, but yeah, um, called back, made another appointment. Um, he's still coming. He's driving. I tried to actually close this young man out mm -hmm. and he said, I'm not ready. Hey, how about that? That's yeah. good for him. I hey, to close him out. If, if you're out there listening and that's you, I'm proud of you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he tried to, I tried to close him out and, and he's still coming and good. And he's, you know, He's happy right now, and we may eventually close about eventually, you yeah. know. And, yeah. But the, but what what warmed my heart was the fact that he wasn't ready. He still wanted to come for a few more sessions. So Good. That That's showed awesome. me that um, he's definitely on board with therapy, and therapy has been helping him. Yeah. He that tells me he accepted that mm -hmm. it's like wasn't a, a a family member or a wife or whoever mm -hmm. saying go get mm -hmm. therapy. That was telling me he wanted yeah. to help himself, yeah. and he did. So he wanted to change awesome. the narrative. Yeah, change the narrative. Mm -hmm. Um, so why are men less inclined to seek help more so than women? Why do men keep it in, quote unquote, keep it in more so than women? What is it? Is, it, it, is it our ego? Is it our... Ego has a big thing to do with it. I think for me, it goes all back with the question we had, generations, you mm -hmm. know. Um, men just um, being told to be the um, the breadwinners and be strong and, and be... Um, hard and yeah and 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 big and bold and we don't right. let anybody know how we're feeling inside you're not supposed mm -hmm. to cry yeah only wimps cry yeah you know and, and suck and, it up yeah suck it up and 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 we hold that and and for so long that's how we were told to be men and that was some of the the characteristic ideally that described a man right and, yeah and now that's changing mm -hmm. and, and men are realizing that, you know what, I don't have to be, I can still be strong and go to therapy. Yeah. You know, I can yeah. still be a, a, a macho man, a, a, the alpha male and mm -hmm. still go to therapy. But for me, I believe it goes back just to just the generations, you know, of, of men just being the breadwinners and we're told to be, 
these amazing providers and, and you can only be a provider you can only be strong you cannot cry you can you cannot wear pink <laughs> <laughs> which i wear pink by the way but anyway right um you cannot be those people yeah, you know yeah and and for me i believe that's where a lot of it comes from yeah th- through my research I, I i did some research on you know males and and mm-hmm. not being able to open up and a lot of it, it goes back to being mm-hmm. a, a kid when mm-hmm. when when boys are boys mm-hming. they're they're not t- they're not taught told how to uh talk about what's bothering them what's or bothering? their emotional issues mm-hmm. and that's a skill set that you have to build up yeah and if you don't do it at an early age yeah. and then you get become an, an adult well you're not going to be you good at you all of a sudden be good yeah. at it you got to yeah. work at it we were told to be quiet we were told that you know men supposed to go out there and just do men things you know yeah. cut the grass and trim the hedges and you know provide for the family provide for the family yeah. and go change the oil in the car yeah. we, we wasn't taught that if you're depressed or you're having symptoms of anxiety or you're having marital issues mm-hmm. to go and get help or you just just don't feel like yourself to go talk to someone about it we wasn't yeah. we wasn't taught that and and once again I, I have I have loads of research about that you know I could we'll be here all day long while we just read well, all the research that I have right you know but 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 in short mm-hmm. you know statistically men have not been catering to their mental health yeah um like their female counterparts mm-hmm. and and i will say that that drives um substance abuse mm-hmm. and it drives suicide that's but, a whole other topic that's yeah a whole, that's a whole other podcast yeah so yeah. i i know personal experience um substance abuse uh and and as not addressing mental health issues mm-hmm. leads to substance abuse, which leads to death and or sub or mental not addressing mm-hmm. your mental health issues will lead to suicide. I've, I've, I've seen yeah, it. So absolutely. It, 100%. And so guys don't hold it in, go get help. Don't, yeah. don't it will, it will defeat you. If you let it, it yeah. will 1000% defeat it will. you. And, and, you know, reach out to a therapist, talk to someone, you know, this is really, really important. The suicide rates are increasing. I have some research about that. I think another podcast needs to be about this research. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> I have a lot of research for that as well, but you know, but in short, yeah, go get the help that you deserve. You know, don't be a statistic and allow your mental health um, illnesses or mm-hmm. symptoms to overtake you and go reach, reach out for help for someone. Yeah. Um, so, so we talked about men are hesitant mm-hmm. to to see help mm-hmm. for many reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, if there's one guy out there that's on the fence, uh, what advice or or words would you mm-hmm. tell that guy to to go get help? What what particular advice would you have for him if he's out there listening on the fence right mm-hmm. now and he doesn't know what to do? Mm-hmm. What would you tell him? Well, for me, this is is simple. Being a man uh, is more than just you know, I'm um, holding down the family and um, and being the, the, the gatekeeper or the um, the breadwinner, being a man to me is holistically, you know, all mm-hmm. the way around, you know, right. catering to your mental health, you know, if you have issue with anxiety. To me, that's more, that's more manly than anything, you know, standing up to your mental health. Yeah. <laughs> my thought was, how can I, how can I take care of my family if I'm struggling to yeah, take care absolutely. of myself? Yeah. So that, if that's can, what yeah. a, another thing that pushed me yeah. to, to yeah. go yeah. finally fix myself. Yeah. yeah. Stop allowing those poor thoughts, right. To, yeah. to, to bring you down and, and, and rejuvenate yourself by yeah. going to talk to someone and, and be a man. That's more manly than anything going to, to think about it. You know, a man, going to talk about his concerns mm-hmm. and, and not allowing them to um, reflect negatively in other areas of his life. Yeah. That's yeah. solid advice there, Kelvin. Yeah. 
got one more question mm -hmm. for you, and then we can we can close it out for the okay. day. Will you, well, this we got two questions. Okay. Will you join me again for another podcast? That's one question. Uh -huh. We can Absolutely. talk about your research, yeah. and I'll let I'll let you. We, we can figure out what, what you want <laughs> yeah. to talk about next yeah. podcast. Yeah. But this last question: yeah. If money is an issue for someone, mm -hmm. what kind of mental health services are out there that are either low cost or even free? Can you, well, you know, well, well, the Department of Mental Health uh -huh. uh, in this area, Department of Mental Health in South Carolina, in, in, in all the South Carolina Department of Mental Health offices, you know, actually do like a sliding fee scale, um, and and they will actually take people in who don't have insurances. Um, some private practices, you know, do a sliding fee scale, but but the reality with private practices, they you know, we bill, yeah, you know, insurances, um, and we're private, and and we you know. Our success is based off on, to be, be totally honest with you, is based off on the money clients that we see. Oh, of course, know. yeah. Um, we have we have to sustain ourselves, but yeah, there are some. I would say start a, the local mental health offices. Mm -hmm. um, the, some there are some state offices that also uh, provide um, free um, therapy. Okay. Um, but but more importantly, reach out to a practice. Some practices like myself. Um, do offer a sliding fee sure. bait scale if, if someone cannot doesn't have insurance. Yeah, that could um, that could have can afford it. Yeah. So guys, if 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 you're letting money be your roadblock to getting help, listen to Kelvin. There yeah. there there's help out there. So you don't, don't know until you ask. Don't know until you ask. So don't let don't let money be the the yeah. one thing that's keeping yeah. you from getting help. Um, yeah. Research. I'll do some research. I'll put I'll put some links on the website. Mm -hmm. um, to, uh, attach it to this blog. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'll find some some mm -hmm. services. Kelvin, thank you so much, man. This has been awesome. You, you're thank you're you. so good at this. You need to have your own. You need, to, no, like I, I said, don't. ditch me, go do your own thing. <laughs> no. um, but uh, I appreciate um, all your insight, all your advice. Mm -hmm. uh, so this welcome. has been this has been awesome. Well, so. thank you for inviting me, Matt. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, we saw you in the gym. Be like, hey, I need to talk to yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so thank you for inviting me um, to speak about something that is near and dear to my heart yeah you know um i can tell your passion about yeah, it so absolutely that that passion came from from years ago with that's a whole nother topic look <laughs> my my life story to be a podcast you know <laughs> you know right that's a whole nother situation but anyway um just thank you for inviting me this is to promote mental health once again i'm everybody just to just to tell you about my businesses once again my name is kelvin durant um with a new you counseling center I'm located here in Florence, South Carolina, um, at 901 West Evans Street, as well as A New You Speaks. Uh, I have uh, Facebook pages for both businesses, A New You Counseling Center, LLC, as well as A New You Speaks, LLC. Um, I have a website, um, A New You Counseling Center. Um, dot com you know mm -hmm. visit my website um, there's more information about me there's more more information about the business so yeah um, re feel free to reach out if you need some assistance um, men yeah but uh, and women but more importantly let's get more men into therapy you know to addressing those concerns that you guys so um, definitely need, need to address. Uh, once again, thank you for having me. Thank you for being here, Kelvin. This is awesome. And if um, if you got any questions for me or for Kelvin and you don't want to reach out necessarily to Kelvin, or you can always reach out to me at contact at parttimestruggle.com or parttimestruggle.com. Again, I am Matthew Tarleton. I am not a professional. I am not a doctor. I'm just a dude talking about his <laughs> mental health. And But my man, Kelvin, is a professional, and I, I thank you so much for the advice you've given me. Guys, if, if there's any hesitations out there, I hope, hope Kelvin has cleared any of that up for you. 
don't worry about the misconceptions. Don't worry about, don't worry about the money. Um, go get help. If you need it, go get help. Like Kelvin said, part of being a man is addressing your issues, mm-hmm. taking care of yourself first. So don't let that hold you back. Thank you guys for listening. I hope you found something very valuable in this session. Um, and we'll, we'll see you soon. Take care. Thanks. Bye.